Hi, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney, and this is Caffeinated Crimes. And we really hope that today's episode turns out well for you guys, because this is us recording three days in a row, so we might be a little tired. We might not have a whole lot to say, because we don't typically record this many episodes in a week, because we do both have day jobs and lives and other things to do. So, you know, just bear with us, and we wish you luck. Yeah, we normally don't produce this much content in such a short time, Um, so hopefully it sounds good. Hopefully we don't sound tired or have really bad vocal fry. I know that my phone is over it because it will not stay up on its um, pop socket. (laughs) The pop socket's just like, nope, we're done. You will not stand up. (laughs) I just keep falling over and looking at Courtney's ceiling all of a sudden, so, you know. And hopefully I'll be able to cut out all of the, like, kadonk, kadonks. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't really have a whole lot of uh, things to talk about, crime updates or otherwise, again, since this is our third day in a row recording. Um, of course, Courtney and I chatted for, like, 20 minutes before we started recording, uh, but none of it's really podcast appropriate. Um, it's a very... Uh, intimate details of my pregnancy that no one wants to know so (laughs) yeah we probably shouldn't broadcast those (laughs) nope 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 so you guys should be grateful for that that we just kind of we're just gonna get into today's story (laughs) because of that yeah we're gonna do that so as you know this is part two of the natalie holloway story we left you on a bit of a cliffhanger if you're a patreon you're hearing this same day so hello again Um, if not, it's the next week. So hope you've had a good week so far. So all our resources are the same as in part one. I'm not going to read them again because it is like a page of resources. So yes, if you want to know what we used, you can just go on back and listen to part one, which you should probably do in general because this won't make sense without part one. (laughs) Yeah. You should probably start with part one before part two. Just general life advice. Anytime that comes up, you should maybe do that. Yes. And we left off... Um, last week talking about Yoron making big news again in Peru for the murder of another girl. So we're going to start there. So 21-year-old Stephanie Flores Ramirez was playing poker in a Texas Hold'em tournament at the Atlantic City Casino in Lima, Peru on Sunday night of May 29th, 2010. Her father grew concerned when she did not return home that night as that was pretty out of character for her. He gave her quite a bit of freedom, but it wasn't like her to just not call at all. And he called her sister and they started calling all of Stephanie's friends before contacting the police. So a police originally thought that it is possible it could be a kidnapping for ransom because the Flores family was like a well-known wealthy family. I guess this could be like Mm semi-common. But by Monday, there was no ransom call. And so soon they did locate Stephanie's car. And so now officers are really believing it's likely she was abducted. And they did start searching into where she had last been seen. So they were in contact with a friend she had been with the previous few days, who is Carola Sanjunetti. I did not see a pronunciation for this. I'm so sorry if I butchered that. Um, (laughs) 
So they'd been hanging around and they would, you know, rent a hotel room and play games and hang out. And apparently this is very common in Peru. Um, I thought it sounded weird, but apparently like most children live with their parents until they're married. And so when they want some privacy or they just want to hang out with their friends, they'll rent hotel rooms. They can sometimes even do it by the hour. So that's just something that's pretty common. I mean, that makes sense because, you know, she's 21 years old. It's not like she's like a teenager and you know at that point you probably want some privacy and time just to yourself and definitely a lot cheaper to get a hotel room occasionally than to move out on your own so yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) so they had parted ways and carola believed that stephanie was just going home um and they had a few text messages that carola believed stephanie was home but stephanie had actually gone to the casino So police were able to find footage of Stephanie at the casino, and just before 3 a.m., she was sitting next to 22-year-old Euron Vandersloot, the primary suspect in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway five years earlier. He he keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, So Euron had arrived about an hour earlier than Stephanie, and they believed he was likely waiting on her, so they had been introduced earlier in the week by another poker player. After further investigation, they did find surveillance footage of Stephanie and Euron entering his hotel room at 5.06 a.m. on May 30th, and then three hours and 20 minutes later, footage shows Euron leaving the hotel alone with his backpack, and he had asked the staff to not bother his girl. So, as I said, the Flores family are pretty well known in Peru, so Stephanie's father, Ricardo Flores, was a former race car driver who was running for political office, which again... The ransom theory could make pretty good sense. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) So his four sons run a successful event planning business, um, and police showed the Flores family the video footage while they began investigating more about the man Stephanie was seen with on tape. So likely because of their local connections, the police gave the Flores family Euron's name and social security number, and they apparently, (laughs) which is like, what? (laughs) Okay. There you go. Um... They also had his passport number that he had written down when he received some prize money. So they basically just have all the information about him. <laughs> um, I'm reading along in these notes and I 100% thought that said pizza money. And I had so many questions. <laughs> but he left some pizza can't. money for the pizza guy. <laughs> <laughs> so when the Flores family looked him up, they were horrified to find that he was believed to be connected to the disappearance of Natalie Holloway, which if my daughter was missing and then I see, hey, this guy also did this before, um, I'd be pretty freaked out too. A little bit, yeah. So Peruvian officials are now really interested in this case, knowing Euron's connection to Natalie Holloway. So a little bit more about Stephanie. She was the only girl in a family of four brothers, and her four brothers were Ricardo Jr. and Enrique, who were both from her father's first marriage, and then Bobby and another son named Ricardo with his second (laughs) wife. So I'm getting some, like, Steve McNair vibes here. (laughs) Um, A little little too much using that name. This is kind of like our uh, Mark episode with all our Michelles. (laughs) So... Ricardo Jr. was 14 when Stephanie was born and actually helped pick her name and its spelling because it does have a unique spelling. It's a Y instead of an IE. Um, And her father was really overly protective of her. So this was like his only daughter. And, you know, there's always that stereotypical like father-daughter connection. Mm -hmm. And so he really, really loved her, you know, really protective of her. 
Um, when Stephanie was two, they actually owned a circus. Wow. So Stephanie loved being around the animals, and a lot of the workers loved her as well. Um, and Stephanie had gotten into some gambling issues at a young age, and her father did have to bail her out a few times, and she even sold her car at one point to cover the debts. So she was getting into some pretty big debts over mm-hmm. gambling, which is pretty easy to do. Um, however, she was really good at gambling and had even talked about becoming a professional poker player. And one of her brothers, Enrique, described her as very friendly, always smiling, always nice to everyone. He said because she was the only girl, she was the queen of the family and got whatever she wanted. And she loved to play soccer and would organize matches with her friends in her family's backyard. And she was also studying business administration at the University of Lima and was in charge of merchandising for her family's event planning process. Process? (laughs) Business. Sorry, guys. I don't know what my brain did there. (laughs) Where did I even get process? (laughs) It doesn't say it anywhere in our notes, guys. I think because planning business, I think your brain just combined those two words. And Oh, this is what you get when you get caffeinated crimes at night. Okay. Shortly after the Flores family discovered the truth about who Euron was, police found Stephanie's body in Euron's hotel room, and she had been there a few days at this point. So Ricardo Jr. offered to make the identification so his father wouldn't happen to see Stephanie like that, and it was without a doubt Stephanie. And in the room was also Stephanie's wallet with cash, and her cards were missing, as well as her phone that had no battery life left. There was blood coming from her nose, bruises on both eyes, bruising on her neck, and bruising on her knees and feet. So, a lot of clearly anger happening. Mm -hmm. There were also wounds on her second finger, on her right hand, and abrasions on her chin and right cheek. Sexual assault was not suspected, but they took swabs anyway, just in case, which I was like, hey, good on them, because a lot of times, like... yeah. A lot of, um, you know, police officers are like, oh, it's very clear, and we're not going to take swabs. (laughs) Or even when they're like, oh, it's clear that this person was sexually assaulted, they don't take swabs. Mm So good for them for still doing so, even though it didn't seem likely. Yeah. And during autopsy, sexual assault was officially ruled out. Um, There were no shoe prints in the hotel room, but recoverable fingerprints were all over the room. And when they did the luminol test, blood showed all over the bedroom and the bathroom in the hotel. So clearly this had happened in the hotel. Mm -hmm. Her autopsy confirmed that her death was caused by the combined result of damage to the brain and cervical trauma due to choking. Mm. So they believe the causing agent was a blunt instrument and all evidence pointed to a rage killing. So just a very, very brutal scene, a very horrific death um and they knew stephanie had been there a while and neuron was one step ahead so they quickly found out that he'd left peru so interpol had confirmed that he had entered into chile on may 31st and they went on the hunt for neuron and did find him in a taxi he had shaved his head and dyed his remaining stubble an orange blonde okay scott peterson <laughs> right that's what i thought goodness i it is so crazy how like sometimes researching these cases or like telling them it's like so many common themes yeah you know like 
It's just so weird. So he had bloody clothes on him at the time he was arrested and he was taken back to Peru. And officers said he almost seemed relieved when he was arrested. It was like he was almost happy that him running was over and he did not resist in any way. Now, Euron's going to tell a few different stories about what happened. Um, So the first story was that he and Stephanie were held up in a robbery and the people robbing them demanded money. Um, He described them as dark-skinned and said they only spoke Spanish because, of course, he did. Because, of course, white men and women always have to blame dark-skinned people for everything when they actually did it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So he says that they went back to the hotel where he was staying and he left Stephanie in their room to go get money from an ATM. Um, He thought about fleeing but decided to return. Whoa, how chivalrous. I know, right? Like, thank you for that. Okay. He said the robbers were very angry and Euron gave them $10,000 and he thought that he would be released, but then they just demanded more money. So he left again to go get more, but the front desk said that he needed to move Stephanie's Jeep, so he went back into the hotel room. So now he says that the robbers are just furious because why is he coming back with no money? So then they started yelling at Stephanie and then told him to run and leave and go back to his country and speak to no one. So he says he packed his bags and he had to leave a few things behind, like his clothes, and then Stephanie gave him her car keys and he left. So he claims that he wanted to park her car safely, but he didn't know the city, so he just abandoned it and then left the country and he didn't know what had happened to Stephanie until the next day. So if you're sitting there being like, what the hell did Jacqueline just say? We are thinking that as well. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like... Okay, so, and he also was kind of saying, like, oh, they were speaking Spanish, and they were speaking so fast, I could barely understand them. But, like, officials said in his statement, like, he spoke basically perfect Spanish at the same time. (laughs) And, but he was, like, my thing is, I'm like, okay, so you give them money, and they're not happy, and you leave, and then you come back, and they're like, just go ahead and leave. And you take the time to pack a bag. Yeah. Like, you pack stuff up. While robbers are holding... You're like friend at gunpoint or whatever. And you're just like, let me just pack a few of my thing. Can't forget my toothbrush. Can't get that anywhere else. <laughs> like what? And I'm not going to like tell anyone this is happening and this girl is with these people. Nope. I'm just going to go ahead and leave and fend for yourself. Good luck. Okay. And I want to make sure her car is parked real safely. <laughs> what? You just left her in the room with people you think are going to kill her. It's. The dumbest story I've ever heard. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to, like, the whole Natalie Holloway thing of just making shit up and changing your story. Yeah. And it's infuriating. Yes. And Euron did refuse to sign that statement. Um, so once he was back in Peru and sat down for another interrogation, it didn't take him long to confess to Stephanie's murder. So now he says that he consumed about 10 drinks at the Atlantic City Casino where he met Stephanie that night. And he said that they returned to his hotel room early in the morning on May 30th, and they played online poker together on his computer. So in the middle of a game, a message from someone Euron didn't know popped up. Now, before we say this message, I just want to say that Courtney and I tried to do a lot of research to make sure that this word is okay for us to say on the podcast. Like, we would never say it, obviously, in our real lives, and it is a very derogatory term, But we're going to say it in the quotes of what was sent to him. Just want to make that clear. Yes. And if we did a huge, huge, big, big boo-boo, 
let us know and then <laughs> we will re-edit this episode and like bleep the word out or something yes like we don't want to offend anyone we're just trying to make sure you get like what was said and from our research it seems okay to say in the quotation form exactly um so this message said quote i'm going to kill you you little mongoloid so um Euron explained to stephanie that the message was in reference to his connection to natalie holloway's disappearance okay so if you're stephanie you're not feeling very good right now and i also don't think We've officially mentioned it yet. We might later. But I do want to say this is almost five years to the day. Yes. That Natalie went missing. I don't know if you've made that connection yet. I don't know if we've made it very clear. We'll probably say it more later. But just so you know, this is almost to the day mm-hmm. Natalie went missing. Yes. So Euron said that Stephanie then began freaking out and she lashed out at him. He said that she hit him on the side of his head with her fist. And then he impulsively hit her in the face on top of her nose with his elbow. Um, He said that he thinks that she started to faint and then he grabbed her by the neck and strangled her for a minute. He said there was blood everywhere and he didn't know what to do. So he took off his shirt and pressed it hard on her face until she stopped breathing. Um, That's what, when you don't know what to do, that's how you respond when you see that someone's like, okay. And my thing is too, like you were already suspected in someone's murder. So if you if you do like get drunk and rage hit someone and they are like bleeding, call the equivalent of nine one one immediately, and take that assault charge and don't yes. like murder someone else or be a suspect in another murder. Like, come on. <sighs> I have a feeling that these are not the only incidents that this has happened. No, I don't think so. With Euron. So he said that he panicked after hitting her because he was afraid that she would go to the police. So he decided to kill her. Again, she's in your hotel room. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. So, Euron also gave a very detailed explanation when police asked for more information. So, he said, quote, She was on the bed when I hit her hard with my right elbow, and I think her head went back and hit the wall, and then she begins to bleed. Immediately, I get on top of her, and with both hands, I begin to strangle her, keeping her that way for a minute. After that, I throw her to the floor, but she keeps breathing. At that moment, I take off my shirt and put it on her face, pressing on it. I don't remember for how long, but she stops breathing. In this way, I think I caused her death. You think? Uh, You think? (laughs) Also, from the autopsy, those blunt instruments, I think, were his fists. So he was hitting her hard enough that it seemed like... Because I think there was like a tennis racket in the room and they were like it could be that but it was like no it was just his fists like that's how hard he hit her just like courtney said just extreme rage and when asked about motive he says that he just lost control and it was an impulsive act after she hit him in the head so then after he kills stephanie he leaves his hotel room to go buy two cups of coffee and some cake so he then comes back to his hotel room and consumes these items over her dead body which is the sign just. of, like, a true psychopath. Like, yes. And if you're just like, oh, no, like, I just blacked out, blind rage. It was just impulsive. And you came, you left your hotel room and you came back. And you just sit there and you're just having your, like, morning coffee. Like. I mean, it, that's not what we mean when we say caffeinated crimes, guys. That's no, not what we're getting at. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nope. Um, This is your disclaimer. Caffeine does not, you know, (laughs) result in killing people. (laughs) 
Don't don't do that. Nope. So Euron then fled to Chile with only his laptop and some cash. So police arrested him a few days later. And like we said, at first he told police that an armed man had broke into his room and killed Stephanie, his whole weird robbery story. But then eventually he did confess. Um, and then after confessing, he told police that he would tell the Aruban authorities where Natalie Holloway's body was to avoid facing trial for Stephanie's murder in Peru. Which I'm like, but dude, then you're just going to be indicted for murder there. And if you're trying to avoid both of them, the U.S. is going to get you for those extortion charges. Like, <laughs> you you don't think. Like, this is this is what happens when... I feel like parents overprotect their kids, overshelter their kids, mm-hmm. don't let them have any consequences for their actions. Like this this is a result of this. Like it's it's horrible. Definitely. I mean, maybe he decided that Aruba's jails would be nicer than Peru, so he's like, Oh, I'd rather get sent to prison there than here. I did hear that the like the jail prison in Peru is literal hell basically yeah. like there's no that, air conditioning <laughs> there's no heat it's yeah grimy dirty like it's horrible yeah um so the information that he provided police was determined to be false because the house he said that she was buried under was actually not under construction at the time of her death so he's just telling more lies like he does mm-hmm. but in january of 2012 Euron did plead guilty to stephanie's murder And he said, quote, I wanted from the first moment to confess sincerely. I truly am sorry for this act. I feel very bad. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe you do. You're on. Okay. You feel bad. You got caught and you can't get out of it. And daddy's not here to protect you anymore. Exactly. Um, And his attorney claims that he killed Stephanie as a result of the extreme psychological trauma he faced being a suspect in Natalie's disappearance. See, this goes back to what I said earlier. If I, if somebody (laughs) thought that I was like a suspect or I killed someone and I didn't, if I was genuinely innocent, I would never, ever put myself in any position to be thought of as a suspect Mm -hmm. again. Like ever, never. I wouldn't hit anyone. I would not tailgate someone driving. I would like, I wouldn't speed. Like I wouldn't do anything to make myself like look worse. Like, if your psychological trauma from being a suspect once is that bad... Go to therapy. Just imagine what it's going to be twice. <laughs> like, also go to therapy in general. Yeah. Like, Everyone. <laughs> it does not... It does not make sense. Like, plenty of people go through, like, extreme, extreme trauma. Like, Natalie's family, who still have not found their right. daughter. And I don't see Dave and Beth Holloway out here murdering people. <laughs> punching people exactly people go through extreme traumas like you can't use that as like oh i murdered someone because i trauma like you can't do that you can't do that that's not how that works um so in 2012 euron did receive a prison sentence of 28 years for the murder of stephanie flores um peru does not have the death penalty and they do believe in inmate reform and like courtney said apparently the prison in peru has really bad conditions which Poor Euron. Just hate that for him. Mm. Um, And when he finishes that prison sentence, he will face charges of extortion in the United States for trying to extort money from Natalie's mom in exchange for providing information about where her body was. Then the next day, January 12th, in the United States, Natalie is officially declared legally deceased after Dave Holloway petitioned the court. Um, This was against the wishes of her mom, Beth. 
So after being sentenced to 28 years for Stephanie's death, um, Euron was also sentenced to pay $75,000 to Stephanie's family. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure with those extortion charges too, they're like, if he ever gets out of jail, like he'll just be jumped to another jail. Like it's just, he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life, yeah. basically. Hopefully. <laughs> Lord, I hope so. So in July 2014, Euron Sloot did marry 25-year-old Letty Figueroa. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but I don't think she deserves to have her name pronounced correctly. Anyway, so um, they did get married at the prison where he was serving his sentence, and apparently he had been allowed conjugal visits prior to their marriage because Letty gave birth to their daughter three months later. So Letty claims that Euron is kind and gentle and no monster. She says he found God and has asked for forgiveness for his sins and that he's a changed man. They all say that. They all say that. They really do. He's just in a shitty prison and he needs his conjugal visits to get through. <laughs> so in November of 2014, Letty came forward claiming that Euron had been stabbed in prison and that she smuggled his bloody shirt out as proof during one of their visitations. She said he had been stabbed in the shoulder and the waist. And the head of the prison said this is just an outright lie and that she's a compulsive liar. And he also said no woman in her right mind goes to a maximum security prison and marries the biggest killer there. (laughs) You right, sir. You right. (laughs) He's just throwing all kinds of shade against Letty here. (laughs) So all available articles about the stabbing are from the same date. And there's really no other additional information that's been released about this. So... Um, either it happened and the prison guard, the prison's just like, we don't give a shit. You deserve it. Or it didn't happen and it's a lie. Either way. I just thought it was very strange too, that she supposedly smuggled out this bloody shirt. And it's like, okay, well what happened with it then? Like, if that's your proof, then there should be way more about this out there. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, obviously I've never been to prison. Um, no. but I feel like. <laughs> You're assigned, like, clothes, and, like, you have, like, certain amounts of those clothes, and those are, like, yeah. your designated clothes. So, if he was, like, missing a shirt, like, wouldn't that, like, come up, too, maybe? I mean, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, how often do you, like, do your shirts get dirty enough that you, like, have to replace them or get, like, torn, or do they keep track true. of that? I don't know. I was just wondering, because I'm like, that that seems weird. Yeah. So, we're going to go back to Natalie now. In September 2015, Dave did receive a call from a man named Gabriel and he said that he knew a guy who used to be roommates with Euron and had a lot of details about the case, more than most people knew. And he also said that he knew where Natalie's remains were. So Dave and a private investigator he'd hired when Natalie went missing, named TJ Ward, drove down to Florida to meet with Gabriel um, after they'd talked to him for a while. So they kind of tried to fill him out before they met him. Because, I mean, this has been 10 years. I'm sure you get plenty of people calling. So they did try to, like, make sure this was semi-legit before going down to meet him. And so they wanted to interview him and see how credible his lead was and see if he's still telling, like, the same story. So TJ believes what Gabriel was told is the truth um, from his roommate, who is John Ludwig, who we briefly brought up towards the end of last episode. So Mm -hmm. as I said, he'll be a big part and he's coming in right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The story had remained consistent and Gabriel said that Euron told John Ludwig that he had been at the beach with Natalie and they'd been dropped off by Deepak and Satish on a road near the Marriott Hotel that leads to Moomba Beach. 
and he had served her a drink that was likely spiked with GHB. Um, so apparently there's a huge problem with GHB on the island. Like apparently a lot of like local boys and men on the island will literally pay bartenders to spike girls drinks at the bar. So it's like spiked as it's literally given to you from the bartender. Ew. And it's actually really, really common for tourists to have their drinks spiked. Mm. And it's just kind of not talked about, which we can see Aruba does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So then Yoran said he went to kiss her and she started foaming at the mouth and he couldn't wake her up and she died. So he freaked out and called his dad and his dad showed up with like a burlap bag and they shoved her into the burlap and had to like break her legs in the process to like get her in there. Um, and they folded her like almost like into the fetal position into this burlap and then they went to the national park buried her and put a cactus on top of her to try and cover it up and paulus told him like don't ever tell anyone about this which clearly Euron did because now we have someone else telling the story <laughs> so Euron was worried and scared a few years later and he thought the searches were going to getting like too close to where I guess he had buried her and he offered John $1,500 to dig up the body. So John said he was like on like drugs at this point. So I guess like he was like, okay, it's money. I'll do it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Euron was going to show him exactly where it was and he did uncover the body in the national forest and dug it up. And Euron had a connection at the morgue, and so they took it there, and they cremated the body and threw it in the ocean at low tide. And this is all, like, what Gabriel said that John said. So if it's true, now we think that John knew the whereabouts of Natalie's remains and helped cover it up further, which... He could be charged with. That is a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> like, you, you were not innocent here, sir. No. And John's passport did confirm he was in Aruba at this time that all this occurred. So that is giving a little bit more traction to this story. So on February 8th, 2017, Dave went to meet with Gabriel. And Gabriel told the story to Dave. And it remained the same again. And so if everything Gabriel is saying is true, there should be some DNA evidence at the gravesite and in the car that John moved the body in. So Dave is still a little bit hesitant, but he's hopeful. And he said he'll only fully believe it if they do indeed find that grave spot or evidence. So like I said, it's been like 10 years. So obviously you're not going to believe everything, but he's like, Mm -hmm. this could be possible. Maybe we could find some like leftover DNA and get something. So Dave did ask Gabriel how he knows that Euron isn't just making this up since he had previously inserted himself into the investigations as well. So Gabriel believes there's no way these guys could have made up so much detail. And Gabriel also believes that Deepak and Satish had nothing to do with it and that the cops in Aruba are crooked and helped cover it up. So Dave also believes the story has some credibility because back in 2005, he did speak with a lawyer who believed that Deepak and Satish were innocent, and apparently Deepak and Satish had said in their interviews that they had dropped Euron and Natalie off on a road near the Marriott that leads to the Moomba Beach. So that's kind of what Gabriel said, that John said as well. And nobody knew that except Dave and that lawyer, because everyone believed that they had gone near these fishermen's huts that are a different spot. Um, But Gabriel also mentioned this, so they're like, 
this could be very, very credible because even TJ, the private investigator, didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. So it had also been reported that John had confessed everything to his girlfriend, Lauren, and Gabriel does have recordings of himself talking to Lauren about what John had told her. So John's just kind of telling everybody. <laughs> And John Ludwig is extremely cold and heartless. Like, this man is horrible. There are videos of him talking about Euron murdering Stephanie and how it was her fault for provoking him and how she did him dirty and she should rot in her grave. And he also continued to say he should piss on her grave for what she did to Euron. I'm sorry, what she did to Euron? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John clearly idolizes Euron and thinks very highly of him. And he also thinks Euron is innocent in Stephanie's killing. Not that he didn't do it, but it was her fault for provoking him. Like, she shouldn't have brought up the whole Natalie thing. Mm. That's that's mm-hmm. her fault. And he was also on Nancy Grace saying how he hoped for the best for Euron. So much so that Nancy Grace on her show just said, cut his mic. Like, get him off here. <laughs> like, she was literally like, nope, like, nope. Get him off. I'm done with Goodbye. you. Goodbye. Like, so... At the moment, all we kind of have is hearsay. We have, like, a he said, he said, he said, he said going on here, which is uh, not credible evidence, in case you didn't know. (laughs) So, TJ and Dave are now going to try and lure John to New Orleans under the ruse of a free vacation with all expenses paid, but it's ultimately going to be a sting operation to try and get John on tape detailing what he's told Gabriel. So, if they could get him like locked into this story they can turn it over to the reuben police and louisiana is a one-state party so we've kind of talked about this before but basically you can record all conversation with only one party's consent not both Um, and those recordings can be used in legal proceedings and gabriel had also given his consent to record his conversation with john so that was enough legally that you could use these recordings So on this sting, Gabriel pushes John to talk about Natalie and Euron, and John admits in the hotel that the remains were not in the National Park, but actually about 10 minutes from his aunt's house on a really big hill at a dead end. So there's a path that leads to a desert where there's like cactuses and stuff. It's like what he's saying. I'm like, from what I hear, all of Aruba is cactuses and stuff. (laughs) And like, how many different stories can these guys have? Like, dear Lord. Yeah, and like that's what they were saying, too, is they're like, this isn't good because now the story is changing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and John is kind of like, I don't want to tell anymore. I don't want to give up any more details. He's kind of like, ah, I don't want to, you know, say anything else. Um, but on the final day of the sting, Gabriel did get John to talk about everything on, e- on tape, and he even provided more details. And he had information that wasn't even publicly known. So now it's like, okay, this can be, you know kind of good um tj ward has also been using layered voice analysis or lva so i'd never heard of this until this documentary but it can take voice recordings and evaluate whether the subject is being truthful or not so it kind of goes off of involuntary changes in the voice and how a person feels so the recordings could be from a tv a recording over a phone it's not necessarily like a lie detector test where you have to be like connected to all this stuff um they, however, like the LVA cannot be used in Aruba, but it can be an investigative tool. Um, I, we have thought about doing a Patreon on this to kind of talk about a little further more into 
how good of a tool this is. Mm-hmm. I know in the documentary there was an ex FBI agent, and he's like, I don't believe in this thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't really believe it. Um, but if anything can help you, why not? If you could mm-hmm. be like, hey, I, I, if you can go to John and be like, hey, I did this, and I can tell you were lying, and he confesses, then hey, use it. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> So this was used on John and Gabriel's conversation and they found that there were parts of the conversation that were not the truth or maybe at least something John was leaving out. So it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily an outright lie, but it wasn't exactly the truth either. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line of this is that he's telling the truth, but likely leaving out some details. Yeah. And like we said, that's, you know, used as an investigative tool should be part of a full investigation, not just, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, we definitely know this person is lying because of this one thing. Um, you know, we would never want someone to be railroaded into confessing to something that they did not do. Again, in this case, like, we know all of these people are involved. <laughs> like, there's yeah. there's too much at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know. So then in March of 2017, the investigative team flew to Aruba to further investigate these statements. Um, but at this point, Gabriel's really backed out of helping TJ. Um, he's getting fed up with dealing with John, and he felt that it wasn't fair to him. Um, and before stopping help with the investigation, he did provide them with a map that circled some key locations that John had mentioned. So on March 15th, they met with forensic experts to give advice about the remains, what composition the body would be in, and what would be left in the gravesite. Um, John had described the state of the bones and a brown, almost black liquid on the bones and in the grave. Um, And the forensic expert explained that what John described would line up with the decomposition of the body. The forensic expert also helped them evaluate both possible grave sites. Um, The national forest from the original stories seemed unlikely because it was so open and like the ground was super thick. Um, But the spot by John's aunt's house seemed far more likely. Um, And that spot was also a lookout spot, so he may have been familiar with it. Because I know that was a big thing, too, because they were like, okay, it's near John's aunt's house, but how would Euron know about this spot? You know, kind of like, yeah, this seems a little fishy, but apparently it was a pretty common lookout spot. And we know how Euron loved to take women wherever <laughs> to yes. look at the stars, quote, mm. quote. <laughs> they never want to look at the stars, no, ladies. They don't. So eventually Dave convinces Gabriel to get back on board and Gabriel and John go to Aruba. Um, So they want to try to get John to show Gabriel the remains and then bring in a cadaver dog. So while they're in Aruba, um, John took Gabriel to what he said was the burial site. Um, The area had changed a bit in the past seven years, so John wasn't sure if he was able to get like the right spot. Um, So the investigative team brought out Chance, who was another cadaver dog. Um, Chance did not pick up a scent for sure, but did indicate that he had possibly picked up the trace of a scent. So kind of unreliable at this point. Yeah. So while they did not find the exact gravesite, they did take in an investigative notebook with everything they had learned in the last few months. Um, it also had the videos from the hotel sting, videos of the gravesite with John talking about it, and a lot more. Um, and it should be enough for a Reuben police to bring John in for questioning. There's also a new police chief, so they're hopeful that he will actually take it seriously. Um, However, they did not bring him in for questioning before they returned back to the United States. So, just missing their chances again. 
Mm-hmm. So once they're back in the United States, Gabriel kicked John out of his house and told him that he was going to turn him over to authorities. So John agreed to go to the FBI, hoping that it would lessen his sentence by cooperating. Um, and the next day, March 26, 2017, John agreed to talk to TJ. So John tells TJ that Iran went with him, um, and he also says now that the burlap bag was wrapped in a blue tarp. Um, he says that they crushed up her remains throughout the day and then paid a local fisherman to use his boat. And again, he's changing this story because he's like, oh, no, we didn't cremate it. We just tried to, like, cremate it ourselves yeah. and, like, break up the bones. And it's like, all right, dude, I know you were on some drugs, but... Like, what? Things are getting, like... Yeah. What are you saying? <sighs> so then John returned to Aruba with the investigative team to talk with the Aruban police. Um, and so he now has another site that he's showing them. And this one is much further away. Um, it really seems unlikely because it's a long trek at night to be carrying someone, even someone as small as Natalie was. Like, it's just really, really far to carry somebody, like, a whole human being. Yeah, especially with, like, dead weight, yeah. too. Like, even if she's small, it's like, this is pretty far to go, like, at night, like, eh, a little fishy. Yeah. So at this point, the investigative team feels like they're being jerked around and they can't tell what's true and what's not. I mean, same. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> There's so many things happening. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, so they decide to cut ties with Gabriel and John. Um, however, they returned to Aruba on their own and started looking into places. So Gabriel was recording when they found a piece of bone in a baggie near John's aunt's property. Um, John is now saying that they buried her remains in a pet cemetery so, again, we just have, an, like, they're both claiming that, like, they were aware of this, but they're telling 18 different versions of the story. Mm-hmm. And John also says that he kept a few pieces as souvenirs. Ew. Um, yeah. And John was going to take Gabriel to the gravesite at the pet cemetery, but he allegedly could not find the exact grave. So, a forensic analysis of the bones determined that there were four pieces. Um, two were definitely animal bones, and the other two would have to be DNA tested to determine what they belonged to. Um, the DNA test would take several weeks, um, and all the bones did come back to be animal bones. Um, but since Aruban police clearly haven't been the best so far, Dave does have his doubts about how true they are, and the Aruban police refused to give TJ or Dave a report on the bones. Um, so, TJ took the bones and had them tested. And mitochondrial DNA was present, indicating that the bones were human. Um, so they decided to test the sample against Beth, Natalie's mother's DNA, to see if it came back the same as her bones. Um, the total sequence is not a match, but it's also not enough to fully exclude the bones as a match. But further testing did confirm that they did not belong to Natalie. But we see here that their testing techniques may not be accurate, or, you know, there could be other things with the evidence wrong with this case. Yeah, and they said also Aruban police only had it for, like, two weeks, and they're like, nope, they're animal bones. So they were like, but how did you determine that, like, so quickly? Like, are you sure? Yeah. And that's when Aruban police were just like, nope, we can't say anything. Nothing, not anything. And again, if these are human bones with mitochondrial DNA, whose bones are these? This is what I keep yeah. coming back to. Like, in Aruba, I'm like, how are you finding all these bones, all this evidence, and none mm -hmm. of it's Natalie? Who are these people? Yeah. Like... So, while a lot of the notes that we've 
gone over today are from a documentary focusing on Dave. Beth has also never given up searching for Natalie and has tried everything to get justice. Um, she was not happy with the documentary, and in 2018, she filed a $35 million federal lawsuit against Oxygen Media and Brian Graydon Media, saying that it was a fake documentary. Um, she said that it was scripted and it lied about details of Natalie's disappearance, um, but Dave maintains that it was not scripted. Um, Beth said that it wrongly raised her hopes that Natalie could be found, um, and Oxygen and Brian Graydon Media filed a motion for dismissal, but it was rejected. And we can't really find any further information on what happened with that lawsuit. I mean, it may still be in process. Yeah. I mean, such a big lawsuit. It wouldn't surprise me if they're still trying oh, to yeah. fight little details. Because, I mean, that's just, what, three years ago? So mm-hmm. it's not long at all for things like that. So now at this point, you guys are probably thinking that the story cannot get any wilder. But it does. So, in March of 2018, John Ludwig was fatally stabbed with his own knife after attempting to kidnap a woman. So, apparently, he knew this woman, and he used to live with her, and he became infatuated with her, and she was trying to distance herself. So, she fought back, and that's how she ended up stabbing him. Which is just like, what? Like, I saw this, and I was like... How many twists and turns is this story going to take? And obviously, like we said, John Ludwig is just a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, what a crazy, like, y- yeah, you did what? <laughs> I don't know. But good on that woman for being like, oh, you are not going to kidnap me. I'm going to fight you back yeah. and take your own knife and I'm going to stab you. I mean, I'm sure that's hard. Like, even if you were like saving yourself, like knowing like you killed someone, but also yeah. like good on her for fighting back. Yeah, definitely. So, both Dave and Beth have written books about Natalie, um, like we mentioned at the top of last week's episode. A Lifetime movie based off of Beth's book called Natalie Holloway aired in 2009. So, today, Beth travels around the country speaking to groups about safety, especially when traveling, and she really just wants to make sure that Natalie's story is told. Um, She advocates for victims' rights internationally because she really just doesn't want any other families to go through what she's had to go through. Um, She also tries to inform travelers of different safeguards and insurances they can invest in that will help in case of an emergency. Um, Because towards the end of her searches and staying in Aruba, Beth just didn't have any more money to keep looking or to keep paying these lawyers or keep paying for a hotel to stay in. Like, she's like, I just literally cannot do anything anymore. Um, And all of that was with this international case that had such a like high level of attention with celebrities raising money, like all of this. And eventually it still wasn't enough. So if you can just imagine like the many, many, many times that this happens that we don't know about because it doesn't receive this kind of attention. Like those families have nothing and are not able to do anything for these searches. Yeah. Cause Beth talked a lot about how, um, especially Americans get this false sense of security when traveling yeah. that like if something happens I can just go to the U.S. Embassy and I'll be fine but it's not true mm-hmm. and she was saying like now like when her son travels she makes sure he has international calling on his phone that's mm-hmm. one thing she really encourages people to always have but also this insurance some kind of insurance because they talked about Um, When they thought Natalie might be found alive in one of these drug addict houses, they had this, like, medical plane, like, on standby to help her. And that even for three days, it was, like, $200,000 they had to pay to have that on standby. It was crazy. And just, like, 
the amount of money she had to spend like on the hotels, mm-hmm. like even with like the hotel, like giving them like some free stays, like it was a lot of money. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, they just stayed there for like months on end searching mm-hmm. for their daughter. Like, yeah. And like, also like she couldn't work either. So you're yeah. not really, you know, you're, you're in Aruba, you're not working. You're not even thinking about work. You're thinking mm-hmm. about finding your daughter. So it's just, it really is so crazy how if the worst does happen, like it can be, really expensive and there's a lot of good apparently insurances out there that can help cover that yeah so i thought that was very interesting that is interesting maybe we should uh do a deep dive on that for something in the future oh that would be really good if you guys would be interested patreon or general public of just like kind of like what even beth's like organization's about and Mm -hmm. just all the different stuff you could do to keep yourself safe um that'd be pretty cool yeah i'd be interested to know that um, and so we also think it's important to remember after this entire case with all of Euron's bullshit and Aruba's corruption and all of this, we really just want to remember Natalie Holloway and, of course, also Stephanie Flores. Um, obviously, we have more information about Natalie just because it was a bigger case because she's never been found because it's technically unsolved. Um, but Natalie was a beautiful young woman with her whole life ahead of her, um, and that was just tragically taken from her likely by Euron. We're not confirming, but it seems pretty likely. Um, And basically everything that she could and would have been was just taken from her as well. So it's just so sad and tragic, especially in these cases where they're so young and they're like, like this was a trip to celebrate her high school graduation, you know, and then she'll never be anything more than that. And I know like Beth and Dave both like want to talk about her because they're like, she should be remembered as more than just a missing person. And I'm sure... Stephanie Flores' family feels the same way of, like, she deserves to be remembered, like, as more than just another one of Euron's victims. And, um... Yeah. I know her father was really like, I want to make sure that Euron gets the ultimate sentencing because no one else's daughter should have to go through what my family went through and what Natalie's family went through. Like, it's just ridiculous that mm-hmm. he get got to keep, you know, being out and was able to do it again, basically. In my opinion... I think he did it. Sorry, don't come sue me. <laughs> but like we said, like all of these people are claiming to have knowledge of what happened. Like, mm-hmm. yes, their story changes 18 times, but they're not really denying that they had something to do with it. So it's, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. And especially, I mean, we don't want to say, oh, because you killed someone else, you definitely killed this person. But it's like a very similar scenario. Mm-hmm. So it would make a lot of sense. And there's really been no other suspects and you were the last person who saw her alive. Like, yeah, it's, it's very suspicious. I mean, maybe he didn't do it and it's something else crazy, but in, I mean, there is also a lot of crazy shit happening with, uh, a authorities, apparently with cover up, very and true, <laughs> their police and all that. So, you know, I don't, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but that is the really sad, tragic, still unsolved case of Natalie Holloway. Yes, yes. It's very, very sad. And, you know, as I said in part one, this is one I remembered it being on the news. And I kind of do remember how it was like on the news every day, all day, and then just not talked about anymore. Um, And so I was actually surprised a few years ago. And I was like, that case is still unsolved? Like, because I think, too, at the time, they were like, you're on, really did it. Um, so it's like, wow, and I didn't know about Stephanie Flores and just the whole, you know, 
layers and layers that we <laughs> found when yeah. researching this. It's just such a tragic case and her poor family for just not being able to find her or just know what happened to her. That's always the worst, too. Like, when you have the missing persons cases that it's like you can't even confirm that they're dead. So it's like you don't even get to, like, have that grief. Like, you're just always mm-hmm. left wondering, you know? Yeah. All right, so that was super sad. Um, Courtney, what is your perk of the week? So as we said last episode, we're recording a bunch of these, like, back to back to back. Um, So I was (laughs) like, oh, good Lord, what is my perk of the week going to be? So I asked Kevin, and he told me that I should talk about my perk of the week of my new running journey. I like it. I like it, Kevin. So... Yeah, so I was torn on whether this should be a perk of the week or not, because sometimes <laughs> it does not feel like a perk. But I did um, agree to run a half marathon with Jacqueline and Tiffany in November. I think we've said multiple times before how I'm not a runner. I think actually in our bio, isn't there a joke about you wanting I me to so. become a runner? And I think we <laughs> talked about this in our very first episode when we did kind of a brief intro. <laughs> Yeah, so now I am starting to train for a half marathon as someone who's not a runner, has never really been a runner. Um, It's better than I thought. I'll say that. (laughs) Good. I really thought it was going to be horrible, um, but it's been going pretty smoothly and I'm just trying to take it very slowly so I don't hurt myself or burn out before I even start. Um, so yeah, I'm, we'll be running all summer. So y'all just pray for me in this (laughs) heat. Um, but that is my perk of the week is I maybe by the time you hear me in November after my half marathon, I'll be a runner. You never know. Like Courtney said, she's like, I'll either learn to love it or I'll realize this is not for me and I'll never do it again. I'm like, all right, fair point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was, um talking to tiffany about it and i was like i could see myself like after this being like an occasional runner like Mm -hmm. maybe not you know being like i'm gonna run like every marathon possible (laughs) there's this one runner on tiktok who was like yeah when i was pregnant with my son i ran a marathon in my second trimester and my third trimester i'm like that will not be me nope nope (laughs) (laughs) that won't be me but you know maybe just the occasional run every once in a while added into my workouts maybe we'll see we'll see how it goes (laughs) I like that perk of the week, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But that is my perk of the week. Jacqueline, what is your perk of the week? So my perk of the week is very opposite of that. Um, But my perk of the week is uh, my new... (laughs) Sorry, Courtney's choking on a drink. (laughs) (laughs) I took a sip right when you were like, the very opposite. (laughs) So my perk of the week is our... My new rocking chairs um that my friend Evelyn got me for my birthday um as you guys know we moved into a new house recently ish it was like six months ago but you know we're still sprucing up everything and now that it's spring we're working on getting the outdoor area all set up so she did get us some rocking chairs and it's just my favorite thing after work to just go sit outside on my front porch in my rocking chair and read my book and say hi to my elderly neighbors as they go by for their evening walks and we have our <laughs> our chats on how things are going and it's just very delightful and I enjoy it greatly especially when the weather's really nice and our yard is very shaded and we have like this nice big porch and it's just very relaxing, and I can see um, me out there with a baby very often in that rocking chair and getting some fresh air. I know. I was going to say, very, very soon, you're going to have a baby in your lap instead yes. of a baby in your belly. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's kind of in my lap now, too, but she's still inside me. <laughs> so. um, 
we were kind of talking about how this is possibly, depending on how baby's feeling about yes. coming out to the world or not, possibly Jacqueline's last episode we record pregnant. Yeah. So, yeah. Feels like forever ago um, we were recording, what would you say it was Krista Pike? I think it was Krista right Pike. Right after you yeah. found out. We like weren't telling anybody and everywhere, all the things since then. It's it's crazy. It feels like I know not to you, but to me it feels like it's <laughs> flown by. <laughs> I feel like we have recorded a lot of episodes in the time that I've been pregnant. Um, and hopefully the next episode you guys hear, I will not be quite as out of breath because I have been out of breath <laughs> since pretty much the day I got pregnant. So maybe that'll get better next episode, hopefully. And you never know. Baby might be like, I'm not ready. Are you kidding me? That's and true. we might record like two or three more episodes before then. <laughs> so. Yes. Maybe every week at the end of the week we'll say, this may be the last <laughs> one, guys. We'll just keep saying it and people are like, wait a minute, it's been like five months. You haven't had that baby yet? Oh, yeah, I did, by the way. <laughs> so if you guys want to, I would say send your guesses on when the baby's going to get here. But by the time you hear this, I hope to every God that exists that this baby is here. If there's there's no way she could still be in you. At, at some point, they're going to be like, we're just going to like rip her out. Exactly. So... But if you want to talk to us about anything else, you can do so on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod, on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod, that's C A F F Crimes Pod, on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast. You can email us at Caffeinated Crimes Pod at gmail.com. If you want live updates when the baby gets here, you can go to patreon.com slash caffeinated crimes where you can join our lovely Discord channel where I will probably not be present, but Courtney can give you updates and let you guys I'll make know. a I'll make a bu- baby updates channel. <laughs> just we'll constantly just be like, "How's the baby?" We'll have a baby updates channel and a running updates channel. Yes, <laughs> so yes. then we and can any, talk about both. Any other channels that you guys want? Like we said, we're open to other new Patreon perks that we may not be aware of, but we do have some fun stuff over there and some bonus episodes. Like we mentioned at the beginning, um, all of our Patreon tiers do get part two immediately. So if you hated having to wait a whole week to get the conclusion, anytime we do a two-parter, you will always get part two immediately. So And you also think- get a bonus when yes. everyone else gets part two. So if you signed up for Patreon today, you'd have another bonus um, because that's what we do for our Patreons when we release two-parters because it's not yep. fair to them to not get an episode a week. Exactly. And you get all of the episodes that we've done previously for bonus episodes. So it's not like you only get today moving forward. Like you, if you sign up today, you get all the catalog of bonus episodes that we've already done. So have we sold it to you yet? If so, patreon.com slash caffeinated crimes. And we're still doing our Apple reviews giveaway. So when we get to 50, we'll choose someone. You'll get a pin, a sticker, a $10 gift card to the coffee shop of your choice. It could be Dunkin'. It could be Starbucks. It could be, I don't know, other big coffee chains. (laughs) Those are the top two. Um, But yeah, so please go do that. Leave your name or send us a message. Um, Do it on everyone's phone. Just please get us to 50. It'll get us maybe a little bit more recognition from people, a little something. You know, we just want people to listen and hopefully like us. Um, But in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee. And don't commit a crime. Mm -hmm.